What's up, fam? What's up, fam? There we go. We need a little energy in the room, man. How many times do I have to say this? This needs to be a young adult gathering. We need young adult energy, not old adult energy. Not I got bills to pay energy. You can't be that stressed out yet. Come on, man. Who was here last week? Come on, okay, about half the room. In case you were not here last week, we talked about warfare, which is an old school way, an old adult energy way of saying your life is a battle, and there's a battle going on for your soul. That's why we're here. That's why we're here, because life is serious. There's an actual war going on. For your soul, it's life, it's death. You're making a decision which path you're choosing. And this is what Jesus Christ came to the earth and presented us with. And he said that he is the only way that leads to life. And so if he's the only way that leads to life, I want to pay attention to what he says. I want to pay attention to what he did, what he said, what he said was coming, how he told us to operate. And that's why I do what I do, because I take what he said very seriously. I believe he's still alive today. I believe he is still interacting with his people today. And I believe that he meant everything that he said. And so if we're paying attention to what Jesus really did, He operated a little bit differently than how we operate these days. And if I believe that, man, if Jesus came in 2023 and he did things the way that we are used to them being done, he would have given some messages to crowds of people and those people would have received those messages kind of for their their individual lives and would have made some individual decisions as to whether they were going to believe it and how they were going to adhere to what he said. And so he would put out some some truth and everybody would have an opportunity to decide whether they believe that truth or not and what they're going to do in response to that truth. And everybody would kind of do their own thing because that's how our world operates these days. That's what society is these days. That's what's expected. It's expected for for you to live in your truth, for me to live in my truth, for us to respect each and every person's truth, to not infringe on anyone else's truth, and to kind of keep our truth to ourselves. Would you guys agree that that's pretty common these days? But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus, the first thing that he did was not go and speak to crowds of people. The first thing that he did was he got some friends around him, which is an interesting way to build a religion, but it's a way that makes sense if you're trying to start a movement. And I don't believe that Jesus was focused on trying to start a religion. We have enough of those. We had enough of those. Jesus was God who had put on human flesh and knew what humanity needed. And he knew that the message of the good news of his arrival needed to spread. And so what he did, instead of just sending out messages to the masses for everybody to receive, was he started with some intimate friendships, some close friendships. He invited some people in to actually get to know him. He wanted them to know not just what he said, but who he was and who he is, which I find to be powerful because I think it's easy to keep people at a distance. And I think it's kind of normal these days to keep people at a distance. If I'm going to be honest with you, it's more natural to me to keep people at a distance. Anybody 
Is anybody that way? It's a little more natural for you. About half the room again. Okay. You would keep people at a distance. But I think it's phenomenal that Jesus invited people into his life, and he essentially formed a group of friends to change the world. And I've found in my life, as time is going on, that this makes more and more and more sense. Because if he tried to start with one guy, and that guy had no friends who were on the same page as him, that guy would never make it to changing the world. If he just sent messages out to the masses for each individual to kind of accept or not accept, nobody would actually do anything. We would just be thinking about stuff all day. But something happens when people get together and we accomplish more and we can actually accomplish a movement when we get together. For me, I've found that the the direction I'm going in life is heavily affected by who I'm talking to the most. And I would say it's the same thing for you. I'm seeing this increasingly become more and more and more true, that who I'm talking to, who I'm just around the most, impacts my thoughts, impacts how I think about life, it impacts how I go about life. Your friends, whether you even call them friends or not, I'm going to say it this way. The people you're around the most, the people you talk to the most, the conversations that you have are impacting you more than anything else. They're impacting you more than you even realize. Who you're talking to, who you're in discussions with, is shaping how you think. And I've heard this quote said for years and years and years. It's this, show me your friends and I'll show you your your future. I I saw it put another way. It's through others, we become ourselves. That's a philosophical way of saying it. Through others, we become ourselves. But it's the same concept, that you're being formed, you're being shaped by who you're interacting with, by who you're engaging with. My thoughts are affected by my conversations. And for you, I would say the direction of your life is really being impacted that way. For for instance, if you're struggling in an area and all the people you talk to are also struggling in that area, How likely is it that you are going to stop struggling anytime soon? On the contrast, if you're struggling in an area, but you're surrounded by people who are conquering that area, how likely is it that you are going to conquer that area pretty soon? I would say it's pretty likely. You're either going to have to keep up or you won't keep up. Let me make it plain. There are two areas that I believe are the strongest forces on our lives outside of God. Money and sex. If you're broke, you don't have to raise your hand. That would be more than half the room, probably. I'm just playing. (laughs) I didn't have to say that. I don't know why I said that. (laughs) If you're broke and the people you talk to the most are also broke, and none of you know how to not be broke, how likely is it that you're going to be not broke anytime soon. It's not likely because you're not hearing anything that's taking you in the direction you want to go. However, if you're broke, but you're surrounded by people who actually have some answers on how to not be broke, 
Would you agree that it's more likely that you are on a path to not be broke soon? Makes sense, right? If you are struggling and you are prone to make poor sexual decisions, struggling with lust, pornography, struggling with self-control, and the people you talk to the most also have no self-control, or y'all are all struggling in the same way, because it's not necessarily that, you know, y'all all are, are trying to not have self-control. But if nobody has answers, how likely is it that you are going to conquer that area in your life anytime soon? It's not very likely. So the reality is who you are around is greatly impacting you more than you may even realize. And I know that these are areas I told you, those are the two strongest forces on the planet for human beings outside of God. Those compete with God for our hearts more than anything. And in conversations, I know that if you're not navigating one of those, you're navigating both of them. And I will say for me, if I could go back, I'm going to be 35 this week. Come on, somebody. If I could go back to 24, which is when I really actually like got serious about God, and I was coming here. If I could go back, the first thing that I would do is get around some people who were going to take me with them in the direction I was trying to go. First thing that I would do. Spiritually, naturally, mentally, financially, like getting around some people who are making the decisions I want to make would be my first priority. And it wasn't at the time. At the time, I was really siloed and I was doing life by myself in a lot of ways. And I had the same friends for a very long time and felt like I could make progress on my own. And so what I did was I had some friends in the church, but a lot of the people that I still talked to the most were outside of the church. And not just outside of the church, they were my friends that I was partying with. And so here's what happened. I grew. I did. But not at the rate that I could have grown if I wasn't talking to them all the time. And so now, it's like as life is going on, I'm seeing how important this is. And, and to add to the dilemma, not only are the conversations you're having on purpose with people you know impacting you, now with social media, you're engaging in hundreds of conversations on a daily basis, whether you want to or not. So Social media just throws conversations at you like, yeah, we think you'll like this. And you're hearing information that's impacting you. No information that you hear is neutral. Everything that you hear is impacting you. And it's either helping you or it's hindering you. But no information that you're hearing is neutral. None of your conversations are neutral. They're helping you or they're hindering you. And the more honest you're willing to be about that, the better. Because oftentimes we want to stay where it's comfortable. And people we know, conversations that we're used to are comfortable. But if you want to experience a new condition, you're going to need new conversations. And if you desire transformation, it's going to require new information. If you want new results, you need new information. And you're going to get new information through new conversations, which is what nobody's telling you these days. 
Everybody's telling you that you can learn what you need to learn in a course. You need what humanity has needed for all of humanity's existence. You need good friends. That's what we're talking about tonight. The need for friends. Now, as I said, you're not going to get new information in the same old conversations. And further, you don't just need new information. You need true information, which is only going to come from trusted sources, which is why social media can be such a dangerous place to be getting your information from, because you don't know who's talking to you and why they're saying what they're saying. And oftentimes, when people are creating content for social media, it's not to benefit you, it's to benefit them. That's the most likely reason somebody is creating content on social media. It's taken me years to engage and create content on social media. Why? Because I didn't really see how it was going to benefit me. And I didn't really have an interest until I felt God leading me to actually genuinely help other people. And I've been seeing, sharing a few more messages, uh, even sharing some notes. Sometimes I just have thoughts. And past few weeks, I've been writing them down, posting them. It's been blessing people. I'm like, I just be sitting around thinking about this stuff. That actually helped somebody. Praise God. But I actually posted it to help. But somebody who doesn't know me doesn't know why I posted it. So it's like you have to take what you're getting on social media with a grain of salt. Can I tell you another reason why you got to be careful when you're listening to people on social media? Because creating content on social media is challenging in that when you're creating content and you're putting content out there, the more attention it gets, it gets positive attention, but it also gets negative attention. And it can come with a lot of criticism, come with a lot of cruel comments. And if somebody is pushing through that all the time, they're doing it for a reason. And some people are doing it to genuinely help people. And some people are doing it because they're so bent on helping themselves. A nugget I figured I'd share. So here's where we're going in scripture. Proverbs 13, 20 says this. The one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. I'm going to say that again. The one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. Notice it doesn't say the person who's wise, nor does it say the person who's a fool. This passage says the one who's walking with the wise will become wise. And the one who is around fools is going to suffer harm. If you want to know what a fool is, just read the rest of the book of Proverbs. It makes it very clear. It's a lot of foolish stuff. And it contrasts wisdom and folly, wisdom and foolishness. And it would do you well to read it because the, the heart of Proverbs is a father teaching his son how to go about life in the world and how to follow God's principles and how to thrive, how to flourish in the world. And this is one of the wisest people ever on the planet writing and saying this. Here's something that I've seen. People who walk with wise people become wise. People who are friends with foolish people go through more difficult things than they need to go through just because of who they're around. So you can be wise, and if you're having conversations with fools all day, you're not progressing in the way that you should. And in fact, you're probably suffering more harm than you need to be. Suffering more harm than you even realize. Some of you guys have been trying to get out of particular situations for a long time. Some of you guys have been stuck in a particular place, and it's like, I can't break free. I can't get to the next level. I can't get free from this thing. And part of it is because you're not talking to anybody who knows how to. And wisdom 
will awaken you to say, I may just need to have a conversation with someone who's done this and stop talking to the people that I'm just comfortable with talking to all the time. And I may need to be intentional with who I surround myself with. Paul says this in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. It's inevitable. No matter how good you want to be, no matter how good you are, no matter how wise you are, being around the wrong people is impacting you. It's helping you or it's hindering you. And can I say a hindrance isn't always completely shutting you down. It doesn't mean your life has fallen apart. A hindrance can just be like a weight that you're kind of dragging along where you're just moving slower than you would be if you did not have that hindrance. If you put a 50-pound weight attached to my leg, I can still walk. I'm going to walk slower than I would if I just did not have that weight. But I can still walk. And some of us, we're limping through life. Some of us are going like this just because I'm so used to talking to this person. I'm so used to having these friends. You know what? They probably need me. They need me to be around. You know, hey, does anybody know how to get free from this lust that I'm struggling with? And I'm going to, you know what, I'm actually going to go to the altar today, and I'm going to get prayer. I'm going to get prayer to get free from what I've been struggling with, but I'm not going to mention the fact that I have this 50-pound weight holding me back, and I'm not really going to address the fact that my friends are like this right here that I'm just dragging along, and I'm not going to address the real issue of my life. I'm going to continue to get prayer. I'm going to put in prayer requests. I'm going to, I'm going to look up new sermons and, and anything that I can, aside from doing the most practical thing, which is looking at where I spend the majority of my time. Because can I tell you, a 45-minute sermon is not going to impact you more than the four hours of conversation you're having in a day. It's not. And what you hear tonight can be really impactful for you. But when you leave, if you go right back to the same conversations, you're going to move slower in your progress than you need to. He says, do not be deceived. Have you ever been deceived about this? It's easy to be deceived about this. We can feel like it's not impacting me. It's not having a negative impact on me. You know, I'm actually doing great around all these people who are doing stuff I don't need to be doing all the time. He says, don't be deceived. And the funny thing is, when Paul is writing this particular verse, he's addressing some ways that they had gone left in the Corinthian church doctrinally. Like he's trying to explain some things to them about the resurrection and how the, the resurrection is true and, and that we're going to be resurrected from the dead. And it all comes down. He throws this in there to say, man, don't be deceived. The people you've been around are corrupting the way that you think. Stop allowing people to corrupt the way that you think. And you need to be more intentional with who you surround yourself with. And if you have a healthy group of people, you guys need to be intentional about who's speaking into your collective of people because it's having an impact. So we know that our friends are affecting us. The question becomes where and how do you find good, wise friends? The first thing that I want to talk about is where, where to find good friends. Number one, church. <laughs> the message is simple tonight. It's simple tonight. But can I tell you, it's going to revolutionize many of your lives if you listen and apply. Last week, we went deep. Tonight, it's simple and very deep when you apply it. This will actually change your life. 
where to find good friends. Number one is church. Why do I have to say that? To the church. Because we don't always put two and two together. And we don't always apply things this way. I told you I didn't apply things this way immediately. It was easier for me to have more conversations with people I had already been talking to for 10 years than to go start new conversations and meet new people. But the church is the most probable place if you are a disciple of Jesus. The church is where you're going to find other disciples of Jesus. And it's not, it just doesn't stop there. It doesn't mean you have to be close friends with just everybody who goes to church. Just because somebody goes to church doesn't mean they're a good person to be around. But it's the starting ground. This goes for your friendships. This goes for your romantic relationships. It's not saying that you're absolutely going to meet your best friend and your spouse in church. But if we weigh the odds of where you're going to find a person, if you're following Jesus wholeheartedly, if we weigh the odds of where you're going to find somebody else who's following Jesus wholeheartedly, church is going to be the most likely place. So the church you're a part of has a huge impact on your life. This is why Jesus started the church. Because he didn't believe that you would be able to succeed alone. I think that's powerful. He could have set this up any way. And he chose to start a group of people that would continually be added to. And so it's still the most likely place for you to find friends. Church. Somebody say church. Number two, common interests. Where to find good friends? Church. Second is common interests. Here's, how, here's why I want to talk about this. Because this is the second place that I'm mentioning, but it's actually the place where most of us find our friends. And it's not a bad thing. Because here's what you don't want. You don't just want to hang out with anybody who just goes to church. Because you might you don't necessarily have anything in common. Praise God that you guys both love Jesus. That doesn't mean you're really going to enjoy hanging out often. Common interests mixed with church attendance and discipleship to Jesus, mind you, not talking about somebody who's just attending church but not discipling under Jesus. I'm talking about a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus. I obey what Jesus says, and I orient my life around who Jesus is, and he's Lord of my life. That's where it starts. The second is common interests. Good friends are going to be a mixture of these two. We're both going the same direction. We have the most important, we agree on the most important decision of our entire lives, which is what we believe about God, what we believe about eternity, how we are going to live our lives in response to that. We agree there, and then, oh, snap, we actually have other common interests. We enjoy doing certain things together. But here's why I wanted to talk about that. Because I want you to think about what your interests are right now. What are your interests? And what type of people are you going to meet who have that same interest? What do you do with your life? What are you interested in? It's more spiritual than you realize because it's impacting who you're going to be around. It's impacting who you're attracting. You find good friends in these locations, church, and in the spaces of common interest. And the best place is for those, thing to, those two things to come together. But the where does not define how. 
Now we're going to get into how you find good friends. I'm going somewhere. Number one, you want to be the friend you want to attract. I want you guys to pay attention to this and ingest this. You want to be the friend that you want to attract. So where you find good friends, church, and in common interest, I think that's pretty basic. I think that's pretty logical. But how you find good friends is a little bit more complex because just because we're in a place doesn't mean we're connecting with people. And so, so often we end up just kind of being friends with people that we've been in the same spaces with. And then many of us, like, we love our people, but then our people don't necessarily love Jesus. And so we find ourselves in these cycles and we don't know how to connect to get to where we're trying to go in life. And the first thing is you want to be the kind of friend that you want to attract. It doesn't make any sense for us to say, hey, you know what? I want to be friends with this kind of person, somebody who has their stuff together. But then I don't have any of my stuff together. Because I may want to be friends with that type of person, but that type of person may not want to be friends with me. This is happening all the time. And some of us were confused about why we are struggling to make connections. And the first thing that I would examine is internally. I want to examine myself. What kind of person am I? And then Logically, I'm probably going to attract that kind of person. And so, as I mentioned, you want somebody who is, has their stuff together. Maybe you want friends who are disciplined. Do disciplined people want to be around you? Because if I'm focusing in life, and I'm disciplined in life, and I know where I'm going, and I'm committed to getting there, part of being disciplined is being disciplined about who you put yourself around. Being disciplined with your time means you're disciplined with your time. So I don't have time to spend around people who are adding nothing to my life when I'm living a focused life. Unless it is for the sole purpose of helping them, ministering to them, and there's a place for that. But I don't call that friendship. I call that ministry. There's a difference. If I am adding to your life and you're adding nothing to mine, that's okay. There's a place for that. I do that all the time. <laughs> I do it often. And there's nothing wrong with that. I see Jesus do that often. But he didn't spend all his time there. And not everybody just had access at every moment of the day. Jesus chose who he was around. He chose his disciples. They didn't just walk up and just become one of the 12 disciples. He went and found them, chose them intentionally. And then he had three, Peter, James, and John, who were closest to him. He was intentional about who he was around. And I know that it, it wasn't just random choices. He was evaluating character and if they would actually be able to actually run with him, actually absorb what he was trying to get into them, actually have faith with him and do the things that he was trying to do. It would have been a failed mission if the people Jesus had around him didn't carry out his vision when he left. Yeah. 
Think about how important his friends were. It was extremely important. I would say it even this way. When you're talking about being the kind of person that you want to attract, the issue with the Pharisees was they had a mutual belief with Jesus. They believed in the same God. They read the same Bible, but they lived totally different. So they could not get along. They were serving the same God. Jesus said, I came from the Father, and they got offended. This is the Father that they, that they claimed to serve. But the way they lived their life and the way Jesus lived his life were so polar opposite that they could not come together. And in fact, they decided to kill him because they were offended with how he was living his life. I would say that shows me that mutual belief is not the only measurement for good friendship. It's how we are going about life that determines whether we can go about it together. And how you go about life determines who will go about life with you. So how are you going about life? What kind of friend are you? What kind of person are you? I would even ask this question. Are you the kind of person that God would encourage his child to become friends with? If somebody was praying to God, saying, God, I need to be around some good friends. Lord, would you please send me a good friend? Would he send them you? I would ask that question, especially if you're praying that prayer. Because you could potentially stand in the way of your own prayer. And some of us, we don't have thriving relationships. We don't have thriving friendship groups because we're not a thriving friend. And I would say that the the relationship we have with Christ is impacting us in so many more ways than we often really give it credit. How you follow Jesus is not just impacting you, it's also impacting who's watching you. And it's impacting whether they say, I'm going to do life with this person. I'm going to run with this person. I think it's amazing that Paul would say, follow me as I follow Christ. What a deep statement. That he didn't just say, listen to me. I have great things to say. Subscribe to my channel. I have great information. Follow me. Do life with me. I was reading in Acts 20 the other day, and it was when Paul was going to leave the church in Ephesus. He had been there with them for years, and it's like his parting greeting. And he's saying, you guys know how I lived among you. And it just impacted me because he describes the way that he lived among them as they were building the church. He's like, you guys know me. Pay attention to how I have lived among you, how I've served among you, and don't stray from the things that I've taught you. You know that I've taught you both in public and from house to house. I've served you guys. I haven't asked you for nothing. I've just been here trying to help. And it's a reminder to me of the importance of just how we're living around each other, how you're living for Jesus is impacting who you're doing life with. Small groups, all these things are impacted by these dynamics. And some of us, we still have the worldly mindset when we step into Christian relationships and Christian friendships, and it's impacting but I believe that God wants to shift some things. It was interesting to me in Matthew 7, verse 21, Jesus says this, not everyone, says to me, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. 
It says to me that Jesus is much more concerned with how you live than what you say. And I would say other people are too. How you live matters. How you live matters. And I feel like this is such a a dicey thing these days because we get in this works versus grace discussion, right? We don't want to, you know, subject ourselves to the law and feel like, oh, well, it's all about my behavior. It's all about me following the rules. And so then we often step into this space of grace, which is just like loose and casual obedience. And we don't realize how that is negatively impacting us. Jesus is very concerned with how you live. Your salvation is through faith by grace. It's through faith in Jesus Christ. You can never work enough to be saved. But once you are saved, the expectation is that you will work. The expectation is that you will live a life that reflects the decision that you made to follow Jesus. When you are saved, you are making a decision to become a disciple of Jesus. And part of being a disciple of Jesus is doing life with other disciples of Jesus. How you live matters. It, it reflects whether you really made the decision or not. And so you want to be the friend you want to attract. Here's the second thing. Avoid bad friends. Which sounds, again, extremely simple. But how many of you are actually avoiding bad friends? You may feel bad about it, but Romans chapter 16, verses 17 through 18 says this. Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who create divisions and obstacles contrary to the teaching that you learned. Avoid them, because such people do not serve our Lord Christ but their own appetites. They deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting with smooth talk and flattering words. This has always been an issue in the church, that there would be people around who cause divisions, who set up obstacles. They're in your small groups. They're at the parties. Some of them only come when we throw a party. You will notice that. We do a community night, Christmas party, they be in there. No other days of the year, but as long as They could just slip in and and hang out and not take things too seriously. They'll be there. I'm not saying that's all people. But the reality is there's always going to be people in church like that. And I also want to say that because sometimes we get hurt. We get church hurt by people in church. And the Bible tells us how people in church are going to be. Jesus dealt with people in church. Jesus started the church with a guy who literally denied him in his most crucial moment. Jesus has dealt with disappointment. Jesus was about to go to the cross. Peter denies that he even knew him. He said, I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. He, he denied him so hard that he just started selling random cuss words just to show that he's got nothing to do with Jesus. And yet Jesus restored his relationship with Peter. So being in the church doesn't mean you're not going to have conflict. But there are people that you're not supposed to be around. There are people who don't just make a mistake here and there. There are people who are toxic. And it says that they're toxic because they don't have good motives. Their motive is not to help you. Their motive is to satisfy their own appetite. Some of us have an appetite just to have other people follow us. So they'll want to turn you away from the church. And they're leading you where? This is, this is the, the deceptive thing about people who are trying to convince you 
to stop being a part of the church. They have nowhere to actually bring you. Where do they suggest you go? Listen to them more. I'm going to start one. Come with me. Okay. You're trying to help me? And oftentimes, this is why you have to pay attention to this too, because false doctrines, false teachings, they appeal to an appetite in you. We have appetites that if we're not careful, deceptive teaching will tempt that appetite. I had a friend who, uh, who actually used to go here. We actually used to go here together. And he went and joined the Hebrew Israelites. And what he said was, he liked the idea. He liked the idea of God only wanting him and people who look like him. He liked that idea. Do you think that it was his spirit that liked that idea? Or perhaps the flesh? And what you'll see is teachings that are pulling you away from the actual teachings of Jesus, they're never appealing to a higher level of spirituality. They're actually appealing to your flesh. Disguised in spirituality, but it's appealing to an appetite of the flesh because Jesus gives a hard call. This whole come and die thing, this take up your cross and follow me, this, if you seek to, to keep your life, you'll lose it, and those who lose their lives will gain it. That's a tough call. And I'll tell you right now, the reality is when you're in church, not everybody sticks around. And I have experienced over my time just being here at Victory, man, the people that I've been friends with, done life with, served with, they're not all here. And I used to feel Man, this tension inside, because I couldn't tell whether I was supposed to cut ties with them or not. And it's not about them just leaving victory. You could leave victory, go to another church, do your thing. I'm not telling you to. Cut that out the stream. I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm not telling you to, but you see what I'm saying if you're still a Christian, hey, man, you know, you can choose what church you're a part of. I'm talking about people who have left the faith, who have left this way that we're going, who have left the path of life, who have left the path that we were walking on together that was our common interest. It's what had us connected. And I would wrestle with it because I didn't know if God wanted me to stick around to potentially be used to bring them back to him. And so I would find myself always feeling kind of like this guilt inside to reach out to people who were like long gone. And it's not that that's a like bad thing, but I haven't seen it produce a whole lot of fruit. In fact, I haven't seen it produce any fruit. And I've now kind of gotten to the point where I'm like, man, there are a lot of people that I can connect with. There are a lot of people that I can reach out to. I may need to stay focused on who's on this path. And I think Jesus would say it this way. He had a, a similar type of situation in Luke chapter 9, verses 61 through 62, there was somebody who said this to him, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me go and say goodbye to those at my house. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Sounds like a harsh statement. He's like, man, I'm just, I'm trying to just go say bye to my family. That's not what Jesus is addressing. Because Jesus knew what the man was actually saying. You know, this is God in human flesh having this conversation. 
And Jesus is addressing a mindset. And he's saying, you don't understand the importance of what I'm doing here. And what I know is, it's this excuse today. It's going to be another one tomorrow. And where I'm going, nobody who's going to start working and turn back is fit to go where I'm going. Because we're going after it. And I have people around me who are going after it. And we're trying to change the world, bring the kingdom of God to earth, willing to pay the highest price for it. So I need people around me who are trying to go that way. And nobody who's wavering and going back and forth is going to work out with what we're doing. Because we're laying our lives down. He said to another in the same passage, he said, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Are you really willing to live this life? Because this isn't just a life of comfort. I'm chilling all the time. We're going after it. We're going after it. And I've found that I've needed some of that in my own life. That ultimately, I can't affect an impact. I can't take responsibility for somebody else's decisions. But I make a decision every way, every day that I wake up that I'm going after it. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to do what it costs. And I'm going to keep moving forward. And as life is going on, I need people around me who are making that decision. I need people around me who are going to hold me up when I start getting tired. I need people around me who are going to pray when I need prayer. I need people around me who, when they call and they want prayer, is worth praying for because they're actually serious. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You need people in your life who are going after it. And I want to give you permission to avoid bad friends. And for you personally, if you feel, if you feel like me saying that is going to have people distance themselves from you, then, my friend, you can go back to our first point and be the friend that you want to attract. You got to take responsibility. You got to take ownership. And I'm telling you this, and if you will receive this, at this age, it's going to greatly aid you in the rest of your life. If you will take ownership for who you are, for the decisions that you make, for the way that you affect the environment around you, for the way that you impact people, if you take responsibility for it, then you can actually make the changes necessary to make a good impact on people, to positively affect the environment around you, to be somebody who people want to do life with, to be, pe- to be somebody who people will say, man, this person's following Jesus, and I want to follow them as they're following Jesus. It's that simple. Be the kind of friend you want to attract. Avoid bad friends. And you don't have to apologize for it. Here's what Proverbs 14, 7 says. Stay away from a foolish person. You will gain no knowledge from his speech. Some of us are having foolish conversations all the time. We're talking to people who are gossiping all the time. We're talking to people who are talking about nonsense all the time. And the word of God is saying, stay away. It's okay. Avoid them. You don't even have to answer the phone. I'm giving you permission because they're responsible for the decisions that they're making. They're responsible for the conversations that they're having. You are not responsible for another person's decisions. And the reality is, man, some people, they need people around them to actually be serious, to show them when they're not. But some of us, we're getting stuck in situations and we're talking to people who are stuck in this situation and not even really trying to get out of it. Proverbs 22, 
24 through 25 says this, do not make friends with an angry person and don't be a companion of a hot-tempered one or you will learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Don't make friends with an angry person and don't be a companion of a hot-tempered one or you will learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. You think that who you're around is neutral. It's not. Wisdom is telling you, the more you spend time around people who are making poor decisions, you're going to be making poor decisions. You are actually learning the ways of the people you're around more than you even realize. And you may not conform your whole life to the way they live in a day, but I can tell you, little adjustments are being made. When I have conversations, somebody's either throwing fuel on my fire or water on my fire. It's, it's, it's never neutral. And it's every area of my life. It's, it's, it's the spiritual zeal. It's the spiritual passion. But it's also every, every area of my life. Relationships, marriage, finances, ministry. The conversations you're having are putting fuel on it or throwing water on it. Last thing. You love your friends like Jesus would. You want to find good friends? You be the friend you want to attract. You avoid bad friends. And you love your friends like Jesus would. We're going to close here. John 15 says this, verses 12 through 15. Jesus says this to his disciples. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. He's telling them to be good friends to each other. No one has greater love than this, to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. Jesus tells his disciples, love one another. Be good friends to each other. But not just love one another, love one another as I have loved you. This is why your relationship with Jesus and your relationship with people are so interconnected. Where you are in your relationship with Christ is impacting where you are in your relationship with other people. How you are receiving the love of God, how you respond to the love of God is impacting how you're loving other people. And you cannot have good friendships if you're not loving people. And love doesn't come natural for any of us. Selfishness comes natural for us. So this is one of the greatest things that you can do. It's just examine, man, where am I at in any given moment in my processing and in my response to the love of God? And how am I loving people? Man, I believe wholeheartedly that some of us Man, we've been lonely, we've been sad, unfulfilled, and it's because our relationships are not thriving. And we love Jesus, we know Christ, we're in church, we're serving, and yet still, it's like we're not having thriving relationships. And I believe that God is wanting to give you a key tonight that will unlock the door to thriving relationships. Part of a fulfilling life is healthy relationships. But you gotta take ownership for your part. You can't keep waiting on everybody else to change. You can't keep waiting on somebody else to come to you and just be the best friend that you've never had and you've done zero work on you. I believe that God is wanting to give you a key tonight. That if you'll respond to what he's saying, which is allow me to love you. I've already laid my life down to be in relationship with you. And if you will respond to my love by obeying what I say, spending time with me, allowing me to transform you into who I've always created you to be, it's going to spill out into how you love people. And if you intentionally love people like God has told you to, 
those two things together are going to be the combination, the recipe for the life that you desire and the life that God wants for you. And so if you'll stand to your feet, I just want to pray for us. And I, I want to invite us to ask some questions tonight. And I want to pray over two things. The first thing is where you're at in your relationship with Christ. And the second thing is about how you are having relationships with the people around you. If you're in here and you need to make a step towards relationship with Jesus Christ, and I mean it in this way, not that you've already made a salvation decision before. If you made a salvation decision before, you made the decision, you're saved. If you messed up, you can come back and continue your relationship with Christ and you can repent to him and receive his forgiveness. He's already paid the price for you. So for you, if you've already made a decision and you're just feeling like, man, I need to come, I need to come back to God like because I messed up within the last week, this part is not for you. This is for you if you have not been in relationship with like there were a lot of people in here who raised their hand and said they were here for the first time. There are some people who are watching online. There are some people who've been here for a while but have not actually made a decision to follow Jesus, to say, you know what? I'm actually going to receive the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ. I'm gonna place my faith in him. I believe in who he is and I'm going to follow him, obey his commands, establish him as Lord of my life. If that's you, I want to offer the opportunity to you tonight to lift your hand. Is that If that's you, if that's you in here, if you're saying, that's me, I'm making a decision to follow Jesus Christ tonight. I just want you to lift your hand. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. If that's you, hand lifted high. I see you. I see you. This is a holy moment. Is there anybody else? You know that God's drawing on your heart. You know that he's speaking to you. You know that you need him. I see you. It's that simple. Jesus says, no man can come to me unless the father draws him. This means the spirit of God is working in your life in this very moment. You are experiencing the salvation of your soul in this very moment. And so I want you to pray this prayer with me. And, and here's, the, here's the purpose and the function of this prayer. This prayer is you professing out of your mouth, confessing out of your mouth what you have already chosen in your heart. And you are saying out loud to God, that you are establishing a relationship with him in response to what he's doing in your life right now. And so I want you to pray this prayer with me. And if you're a believer around this room and you wanna pray this prayer with us, I, I invite you to join. Say, Jesus, I hear you. I know that you're calling me. And today, I'm giving my life to you. I believe in who you are. I believe that you are God, that you put on human flesh and you died on a cross to pay the price for my sins. I believe that you resurrected and that you're alive right now. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your invitation and I say yes to relationship with you. I repent for my sins. I turn away from my old life and I turn completely to you. I give you my life. You are Lord, you are Father, and you are friend. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lead me into your truth. Give me understanding of your word and place me in community with the people you want me to be around. I say yes to you. In 
Jesus' name. And praise God for every person who made that decision. For, for everyone else, I have some, just some questions that I want us to evaluate. We're going we're gonna to put some, some questions on the screen, and it's, and it's this right here. It's, what is one thing I need to start doing to improve my friendships? What is one thing I need to stop doing to improve my friendships? And what is one way I can serve my friends better? I want to pray for us, and then we're going to take a few minutes to just let the music play and for you to have a moment to really evaluate this. And you may wanna write these answers in your phone or whatever you have to write with. I believe that God wants to speak some things. And so that's why I wanna pray because this is the work of the Holy Spirit. God created friendship. He created the church. He created community. He wants us to be in thriving relationships. And so Father, I thank you for each and every person in here, God, I thank you that it is your desire, it is your will for their lives, God, for them to have good friends, Lord. We have need of friends, Lord. And there are many people in here who they are on the brink of the abundant life that you've called them to, God. Lord, I believe that you want to give them wisdom, God. Would you give us all wisdom, Lord, for how we can improve in this area because all of us have room for improvement here, God. Lord, I pray that you would give understanding and revelation to each and every one of your children, Lord, for how they can take ownership, how they can take responsibility for the part that they play in the relationships around them. Lord, and I pray that in doing that, they will be better witnesses for you, God. Lord, I pray that they will win people for Christ, Lord, that they will be a light shining in a dark place, Lord, just in the fact that they know how to be good friends because you're a good friend. Lord, I pray that you would teach us how to be a friend like you're a friend. Lord, I pray that we would get clarity in this time. Lord, and I declare peace over our minds as you minister to us in this time, Lord. In Jesus' name.